Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Youth ministry was healthy. We had just moved back from the high school that we were doing youth ministry at and where we had about 100 students, and we had just moved back to our church building that was a newer building that we had just um, had a building program on, and things were good there. They were growing, we were moving. Marriage was good and well. Um, we did have a almost two-year-old at the time, Jed, and Jack was here, so maybe that was a little bit of the panic and the stress. Two kids versus one, that's a whole new ball game, right? Um, but, but no, I had this moment, and I knew that there were some things going on, but I didn't realize the level of sickness in my mind. And even as this week I went back and looked, that's the nice thing that I think about um, my Apple calendar, is I was looking at those weeks and looking at all the colors on all of those days around that time, I filled my life with so much stuff that I created this sense of anxiety. I created a toxic atmosphere for myself. And it hit me, and it caught up with me, and my body was telling me, we've got to fix this. Um, I was doing too much, and I couldn't keep up, couldn't keep going. And I was in the hospital overnight. They ran some tests. Praise God, they said, you know, my heart was fine, I was good, but this, that if I didn't stop living the way that I was living, that it was going to catch me, and that I would probably have a heart attack at some point. Monday morning came, and I couldn't move. I was stuck at home where I was. I, I broke down and wept and cried and said, I can't go to work. I can't do this. I called my pastor, who was a good friend, and I said, I need you to come and talk to me. I can't get up. I can't leave this. And he came over, and I quickly talked to um, talked to um, a couple of doctors, and they talked me through some things even that day. And our board said, we're going to give you a leave of absence. We're going to let you go, and we're going to let you kind of figure this out. We're going to pray for you. We want you to get restored, healed, and refreshed. Um, I needed help. I was ashamed to ask. I was embarrassed. I was, a, I was not only a Christian, as a pastor, I should have it all together, but I didn't. On the inside, I was feeling anxious and anxiety and dealing with depression and dealing with being worn down. And I needed to find this peace of mind, this peace of mind that we're going to talk about. faith, but there were other elements that weren't there. As I talked to, to um, my counselor, he said, he, he did these tests, he's a Christian counselor, and he did these tests, and he had me fill out all this paperwork, and he said, your faith level is off the charts. In the 20-some years that I've been doing this with, with people, your faith in what you tell me you believe in God is off the charts. And I said, so then what's wrong with you? And he said, you've got some wires crossed. And he said, can you show me your calendar? And I began to show him my calendar, and he was like, dude, you're killing yourself. My mind was a million places. And I didn't have this peace of mind that I needed. In 1 Thessalonians, it said, in chapter 5, verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace himself 
sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace. Oftentimes I think, it, not I think, I know I hear people come to me and say, why would God allow me to go through this? Why would God give me more than I can handle? It, 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 or He says he won't give me more than I can handle. That's not what that verse says. It's talking about temptation, and he won't allow us to, to be put into a position of being tempted that we cannot get ourselves out of. He's the God of peace, and he himself sanctifies us completely. He allows us to attain levels of sanctification in our lives where we sin no more in areas of our lives. And as I've grown, I've grown to see that and see how that works. He says, may your spirit, your soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, body, given over to Jesus to process through. Some at church and in churches say, we shouldn't talk about this stuff. But the fact of the matter is, I know that if I've dealt with something, and that if I even still have moments of it, that there are some of you in this room that come in and you smile, but there's a brokenness in your mind or in your heart. That there's a, that there's a void that needs filled, and my desire and my goal is to help you fill that. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's through a relationship with Him. Some would say that you're not properly saved or you haven't been redeemed yet. I found that not to be true because I even believed some of that. As I asked my counselor, I said, what's the deal? Do I not love Jesus enough? Do I not believe enough? And he said, no, look at this again. He pulled names off and he showed me these faith charts. And he's like, I'm telling you, you're off the charts. It's almost double. He's like, your faith in God is there. It's these other things that need reworked and you need to develop some different habits in your life. You see, one thing that we get caught up in is that the fact that, you know, yes, Jesus saves us. But that doesn't mean that every area of our lives are, are going to be fixed overnight. It takes some work. Because here's the deal. If Jesus just swept in and he took it away from us, and we weren't allowed to grow and learn some lessons through it, who would we be? What would we become? We would be pretty lame, honestly. If our kids weren't allowed to learn through some processes. I was joking the other day about what it is to be broke. And Jed says, I know, I've lost all my money before. <laughs> and I said, you know what, I'm proud of that though. Because you've been able to do it in my home. You've been able to venture out and try to do something. And see what it is to not win in that. And so now you can take what you've learned and become a better human. And become a better person. And the same goes for our struggles in our lives, especially with these mental health issues. We're going to talk about some dangerous myths. You know, the fact of the matter is, no, no one when they wake up they, and Jesus has saved us, you know, like when, when I accepted Christ into my life when I was 18, I was down at a youth conference. Um, I didn't like get up from praying and then all of a sudden I had a six pack. <laughs> I wish that it worked that way. But it didn't, it didn't happen. I didn't, I didn't wake up, and I didn't have a spiritual six-pack either. I still knew nothing. I knew John 3.16. I actually accepted Christ in December of that year, 99. Summer of 2000, I went on a mission trip. 
I still only knew John 3.16. They told me the day we got there, they said, tomorrow you're going to go out and tell people about Jesus. And I was like, this is not the kind of thing I signed up for. I wanted to have fun and bounce around and play basketball and do these fun games. That's what I thought this conference was about. And they're like, no, you're going to tell people about Jesus. And I was like, I don't know much about Jesus other than John 3.16. And I went out and I got back and I asked my youth pastor, I said, is there like some like thing in Romans that's like um, it leads people to Christ? And he's like, yeah, it's called the Roman road. I was like, God gave it to me. I don't know where it came from. That's how little I knew. But God gave those words to me. You know, um, when we're, um, when we accept Christ in our lives and we're born again, you know, our, our, our credit doesn't improve, our hair doesn't get thicker, and our thighs get thinner. It just doesn't happen that way. I, I, I kind of like it. I wish my hair would get a little thicker. I've got to make it look fuller and thicker. But it is what it is. <laughs> just because you're a Christ follower and live your life for Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're going to be instantly healed from a mental health issue or a struggle that you have in your life. And for you in this room, it may be at one level or another. It may be deep. It may be big. It may be small. The fact of the matter is, when we talk about mental health, it includes emotional psychological and social well-being. It's a a journey. It's a process to understand, to work through it, to get to where it is that we need to get to. Verse 24 says this, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Whatever it is that we're struggling with, whatever it is that you're struggling with, God is going to walk through with you. Some things he will take away, but some things he wants to journey with us through. There's a thorn in my side, as Paul talks about, and for me it's anxiety. It keeps me humble. It reminds me that God is God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords of my life, and I need him. I need him. There are two mental health uh, myths that we're going to talk about. The first is this. Myth number one is Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. We hear this. I've heard people say this. I struggled with this when I was dealing with this to talk to people about it because I felt like maybe my faith isn't enough. See, I grew up in Tennessee and for my high school years. And when I started going to church, uh, I went to one church down the street uh, with some some friends. And then um, it was a Baptist church. And then for a while I went to this Pentecostal church, and, that, that, and then I went back to the Baptist church. And so I tell people all the time, I'm all kind of messed up. I'm Bapticostal. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I, it just is what it is. It's what, you know. And so I struggled. I struggled because of some of the things that I heard. Christians shouldn't struggle with this. You just need to be smacked in the forehead, slain in the spirit, and it's over and it's gone. For some people that may work. But there are some things and mental health issues that we struggle with that God wants to journey with us through. Because we grow. Because we can share with others. Because we can walk with others. Christians shouldn't battle with anxiety or depression or burnout. We're going to talk about all of these over the next several weeks. It's just not true. See, you can love Jesus and you can still fight with depression. You can still 
fight if I'm not on it. These gray days give me seasonal depression. I, I put my happy drops in my drink every morning, my vitamin D, get a little extra, you know. I'm like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Timothy Green, but when the sun's out, I'm like stripping down to a t-shirt in the backyard and I'm just standing in it. It's cold, but I'm just soaking up the sun because I need it. I need it in my life. I need to be energized. I need to be, I need to feel that. Faithfully reading the word of God doesn't mean that you're not going to battle and struggle with anxiety. Attending church, sitting in the front row, tithing, serving doesn't mean that you're going to instantly overcome a trauma in your life it's a part of it and it can help but it's not all of it you know some of the very heroes of the bible elijah he was so depressed that he wanted to die david was in despair david was called a, a man after god's own heart and he was in complete despair and blame Jeremiah, he wept, he was lonely, he dealt, dealt with insecurity. He cursed the day he was born. I mean, I've had some rough days, but I have never cursed the day I was born. That is deep. That is struggles. That is mental health. I want you to understand this, that if people tell you you need more of God, yes, we all do. But we need to fix the problem. We need a way and we need an avenue and we need relationship with others and we need to understand what it is that we're going through and why it is that we're struggling with it. So this concept that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health, it's a myth and we need to throw it out the window. We do need more of God. But the fact of the matter is, another thing that I found out is by looking at my schedule, I learned that I needed more sleep to become healthy. You see, my generation lives off of, man, I got four hours of sleep and I'm here today and I've got 97 hours in this week and I'm moving along. You are going to die young. And then we got the generation below me, like, I work like seven hours a week. I want to live in my mom's basement and make 350000 a year. It's all messed up. So we got to find the balance between the two, okay? <laughs> We've got to find the balance. I needed more sleep. Some of us need better friends. I've talked about that. Who you hang out the past few weeks, who you hang out with is going to determine who you become. If you hang out with business-minded people who are doing well and doing things and moving forward and going to the gym and exercising and doing that, you're going to get on board with that. If you're hanging out with a bunch of dudes or dudettes that don't have a job, they're living in their parents' basement, you might find yourself in the same situation. You see, we have to get healthier. Do better whether it's eating habits or working out or whatever that, that, that looks like for you. Sometimes, sometimes this is true, going to the doctor and finding out that there's, a, there's a, a hormone deficiency or a chemical imbalance and that you do need to talk to somebody and you do need to journey through and figure out what it is that's going on. And so this is why I struggle when people say Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health because they're saying it and they're not a doctor and they don't know. 
You know, we're so far removed from the original line that sin has crept in in many, many ways. And we need to be broken from that. We have generational sin. This is something we're going to go into. I'm going to get there eventually. That's in beta mode two. Of just preaching this series of generational sin and breaking the bondage that is there that we don't realize is in our life. Because when you peel back the layers, when you're vulnerable enough, I was, I was broken before my church. I had no choice. I was down to a, my white tank top. I was as white as the tank top. I was sweating. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And God said, be vulnerable. Let these people love you. Let them walk through this with you in this journey. And it took some time. But I figured out the issues. Figured out that I needed to sleep. That I couldn't run on E. I figured out that I needed to fuel myself properly with the right things. That cans of Mountain Dew, it was temporary. It was giving me temporary energy. That I needed real food in my life. You know, carrots and broccoli and that weird stuff that doesn't taste very good. Um, You know, not Big Macs and all of that. So, and I did it again. I talked about food. I wasn't going to, and I did it. Sorry. Um, we'll, We'll keep going. What I want us to know is that if you're here or if you're joining us online this morning and you're struggling with something, it doesn't mean that you're not a good person. It doesn't mean that you're not a good Christian. What it means, it means that you're human and you struggle. And we all struggle. Myth number two is this. Myth number two is that God doesn't care about your mental health. God doesn't care about your mental health. That couldn't be more further from the truth. Often people will tell me, God's too busy for my mess and my mix-up and the things going on. He has bigger problems to deal with. No, He cares. He cares a lot. Says the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He is our shepherd, and when we come to Him, it says we shall not be alone. He is there walking with us. We're going to talk about a guy named He-Man. Now, He-Man and She-Ra were somebody different in my day. That's not who we're talking about here. He-Man was was known for several things in the Bible. He had great wisdom. He had musical ability. He was committed to parenting. And to serving the king. And these are some of the verses, and I'm not going to go into them, or else we'd be here till 1 o'clock talking through it. But as you look at Psalm 88, this is a psalm that he wrote. And this is not one of those psalms that you're going to see on Etsy, plastered on a co- coffee cup or anything like that. Um, it's truly, truly much different than that. And it, and it goes on, and it says this. It says this. I am overwhelmed with trouble. And my life draws near to death. We're going to hold right there for a second. See, I told you this does not go on a coffee cup. Who wants to pick up a coffee cup that says that every morning? I am overwhelmed with trouble, and my life draws near to death. 
a man who had great wisdom, musical ability, committed to parenting, serving the king. I am overwhelmed with trouble, and my life draws near to death. It goes on to say, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like the one without strength. Next verse. I am set apart with the dead, like the, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. And then in verse 13, it says this. But I cry to you for help, Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. And that's all I have on that. A man who was broken and despaired and couldn't go any further. I was there on that Monday morning as I couldn't go into work. I was broken. Didn't know where to turn. But I cried to you for help. In the morning, my prayers come before you. In verse 14, it says this. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? How many of you have ever felt that way? Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? In that moment, on that Monday morning, when I couldn't move off my couch, I asked God, I said, you called me into this ministry, why do I have to suffer? I can't even get off the couch. You're not answering my prayers, you're not hearing me, you're not listening to me, I don't want this anymore. It is yours, take it away. Brokenness. Brokenness. In verse 18, it goes on and it says this. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Makes me think of an old song. Some of you know. Darkness is my closest friend. Some of us are in this room this morning or joining us live or watching this back. And you just want to hear a little song that says, Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. But you don't. Because the sun does shine, but inside there's darkness. Because you're broken and you're hurt and you can't see. It's clouded, it's foggy. We struggle, we wrestle. How do we overcome? What I learned through these verses and through a relationship with the Lord is that God was not afraid of my honesty. My real, raw, honest prayer, a true wrestling with him and asking him why and what it was about. The fact of the matter and the challenge was I had to be ready for the response. Because he gave me an honest response. And he said, this isn't about me. It's about what you're choosing to do and not to do. It's about what you're choosing to hold on to and not let go of. I have bigger plans for you. I have something more for you. I don't want you to live this way. You say that you're my son, but you keep taking back what you've given to me. 
the struggle I kept taking back and trying to deal with it and process it through my own way and, and through my own strength. And remember, I have knowledge and we have knowledge. And we think we know how to get through things. But it's when you call on the wisdom of the Lord that he delivers us from the bondage that is in our lives and the things that hold us back. And it was in that moment that he said, son, you need my wisdom. Stop being dumb. And let go. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. If you take notes, you're on the other side of a screen. You're joining us on Facebook. Put in there wisdom. Type it in the notes. Type it in the comments. Wisdom. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. We're going to say it together, all right? Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Hold on. I want to hear it again. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. You've said it twice now, now say it a third time with confidence and boldness. Let's go. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. Now apply it, grab a hold of it, reflect on it. Getting help in your life is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom and turning to the Lord. I believe that I wrestled with this because, you know, it's fun to come to church and be uplifted. And I'm sorry <laughs> to, a, to a degree that this is what we're talking about. But I know it's what we need because I've spent time in this room and I've spent time with the Lord and I've spent time with these kids, first through fifth graders. I was telling them in the huddle this morning that I have first through fifth graders talking to me about anxiety and depression and burnout. I'm like, how do you know what burnout is? Fifth grade? Come on, man. Like, how do you understand that? Like, no way. I had no idea what those words were. I was just all about playing guns and army man out in the backyard at that age. That was the fun stuff. But it's real and it's here for them, for us. You see, some of us are in bad shape. We, we maybe physically unfit, and that's noticeable, sure. But spiritual health is what can't be seen. See, God gave me a gift, and he gave me a gift to smile on. I can smile, and people can remember that years later, and they're like, that's, that's it. I saw the face, but the smile triggered it. It's a gift from the Lord, and I'll take it. I love it. But sometimes I'm smiling, and on the inside I'm crying because of the brokenness. Because God's working on me and healing me. And there are many of us that are the same way, that are the same way. Maybe we're relationally broke and we're trying to heal from that. One of the worst things as Americans that we do is heal from relationships. We just jump into another relationship or a friendship. We try to mask what's there and what's hurting. We have moms in the room, and on the other side of the screen, you've lost a child and you had another one, and you never properly healed and you never properly grieved the loss of the first one. You thought that having another one would do that for you. But it didn't, and you're carrying something within you. There's some of you that were in a relationship and you were fully committed to that, 
when your heart was broken and then you jumped into another one and you've not fully healed from that. There's brokenness. You've been hurt, you've been talked down to, you've been lied to by parents, by people that you've loved, and you just move on and move into another scenario and we don't properly heal. And mentally, I don't have the time to explain it today and break all of it down. For one, I don't completely understand it all, but I know it because I read it and I've learned to work through it. There's a whole lot that goes up on in, in, in here that goes on. So for those of you who people tell you don't have a brain, you all have one. It's just how we use it. There's a lot that goes on up here. And there's a lot of neural pathways that we route in our minds to determine certain things. And because of our past and because of what we went through, we think that we have to go through those things again, and it doesn't have to be that way. And God's Word shows me that, but also science shows me that, that we can break that. And that's why we're going to talk about these deep-rooted issues. That's why we're going to spend some time going through these different areas. But I first wanted us to be able to come together and understand the myths that are out there. Because if this can't be a safe place, I don't know of a safer place. This should be our safe place. At home, the safe place is around my table. And some of you have sat at that table with me and we've had some safe conversations. And I want this place to be that safe place where we come and we know that maybe we're on top of a mountain right now and we are doing great. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're on top of that mountain, you know what happens? You can see other mountains that need to be conquered. And there's only one way to get there. And oftentimes we don't get to hang glide across to it. We got to go back up. We've got to go through a valley. Things grow in the valley. They don't grow on top of the mountain. I don't know if you've ever been on top of a mountain, but things do not grow there. Uh, living in Tennessee, one of the beauties, I remember one Easter I had the opportunity to take my wife and my brother at the time, and we were, we were where I lived, and I said, look up there. I was like, you guys see all that white? And it was like 65 degrees. I was like, that's snow. We're going to it. 65 degrees, shorts and a hoodie. We drove up, and we had a snowball fight. When we got up there, there wasn't much up there. The air is thin. Not much grows up there. It was beautiful. And it was great to see. But I knew that I needed to come back down. And as we came back down, that's where you've seen the growth and the vegetation and things that, that were there. The same before our life. In Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all your mind. As I read this, when it was given to me by my counselor for the first time, he said, I'm going to be honest with you think that you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I believe that you love him with all of your soul. But you failed to give him that love. You failed to allow him to clean up your mind in the way that it needed to be cleaned. Because there are things that we take in. As I, and as I spent time with him and talked to him and journeyed through this process, I realized that there were things in there that I didn't want in there. And there were things in there that I thought I forgot and they were still in there. 
I mean, like the cheat codes for Nintendo, it's still in there. I knew, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, um, we won't go into that. But I, those things were there in certain songs and whatever else. But there was junk in there. And when I gave him over my mind and I allowed, see, oftentimes we say, and we stop there, and it's a struggle because we say, and even pastors say, we say, let God search your heart and try you and test you. That's great. That's a great place to start. But what about checking your soul and seeing where your soul's at? And even further than that, your mind. The mind. The mind is a powerful thing. We have millions and millions plus neural connections every day in our mind. And after the brain starts to learn, it begins to do that again and repeat that. It starts to develop patterns. I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you, when you drive to work or to the grocery store, you take the same way every time? By a raise of hand. Yeah. You want to know what? I don't. Sometimes my wife asks me, why are you going this way? Because it's something different. Something different. I want to test it out. When I try to get over to uh, the other side of Commerce and like headed toward Waterford, it never takes me the same way twice. <laughs> yeah, you know. You're the, I'm like, Siri, be quiet in the name of Jesus. I am just throwing you out the window. Like, I know what way I want to take. And this way, I feel like you're taking me to just get me in more traffic. And then I'm going to be tested by those in traffic because something's going to happen here that shouldn't. So I just find a different way. Can't always believe a computer or a phone, man. There are different pathways. We do the same thing, though. We go to the grocery store, we probably go the same way that we went. I like going in and going backwards sometimes so that I see things from a different perspective. Sometimes I go in by the clothes when I go to Michael's. I don't really look at them, but I go in by the clothes, maybe grab some shampoo or whatever I need there, and then, and then make the loop around the other way. Our brain begins to develop and, and, and grab a hold of doing things one way, and it's the thing. You don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of you are sitting very close or pretty much in the same seat that you've been sitting in for at least three or four months now? <laughs> if you have ADD, it's a challenge, but try sitting in a different seat. I've been over there and over here, and I've been up top, and I really get distracted up top because then I start counting people, and then I start counting kids, and I, you know, I'm just getting lost. I start counting all kinds of things get off track. Try. Try a different way. This exercise helps you to try something different. But it's not fun. We're like dogs. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. My dog is like six. He's set in his ways. You know, Lauren brings her dog in here and he's all fun and lovey. She's all fun and lovey. She's a new pup and this and that. And he'll sit and she'll sit and look at my dog and he looks at me like, what, Coco? You know, he don't want to sit. He's done. He's trained. We get that way in our lives. We get comfortable. We get okay with being right there where we are and not moving forward. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, 
all who thought they had. God gives us perfect peace. We need to fix our thoughts on Him. In those moments for me when I was struggling, I had to fix my thoughts on Him. There were moments, there were things that I had to learn to do to just breathe, and I would just breathe and say the name of Jesus. Because God doesn't want us just to have occasional peace or momentary peace or circumstantial peace. He wants us to have a perfect, a perfect peace, a complete renewing of the mind. Of the mind. Perfect peace. Some of you are sitting here and you're wrestling because you don't know what that is. Some of you are joining us and you don't know what that is. For me, I want you to have it. God wants you to have it. See, the thing that you're wrestling with, the thing that you're holding on to, and maybe even the thing that you're trying to give over to Him, we have to go to the house of love. It's okay. It's okay to come rest to the feet of Jesus. It's okay to come to the table of Can you say that, Pastor? Because I've just shared with you what I said to you that you didn't know about this morning. And it wasn't easy to share, and I didn't want to share it this morning. But God wouldn't let me. Because He's using my struggles for His glory. He's using my brokenness to help others be transformed by the renewing. We need to renew our minds and get it in a place where we can focus on God, where we can be restored. His divine power has given us, and for and Second Peter it says this, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge, through our knowledge of Him, knowing Him, being connected with Him, not just knowing Him here, but knowing Him here. And knowing that he's going to walk through whatever it is that we're going through. I'm going to have the worship team come and they're going to close. I want you to grab this as you go. God is my source and my strength. I have everything I need to do everything he called me to do. He's my source. He's going to walk through this with you. You're not going to get instantly better. I think that's okay because you have to heal. You have to heal from the inside out. The wound is so deep, and this is true in reality. When you're, when you're wounded so deep and there's an infection inside of you, they will not stitch you up. You have to heal from the outside in or from the inside out, sorry. I dealt with this with my wife, but she had to heal from something of it when we lost Jason, and she was so sick. She had to heal from the inside out. It had to heal naturally, and it took 
time. It didn't heal as quickly as stitching it back up. But that's what we want. We want God to stitch it back up right now, and we just want to be back to normal in a week. It had to heal. It had to be clean. It was a process. And the same is for our mind. It's a process. Jesus, in his words, he says, he said, my peace I give you. He didn't say, I give you a peace. He said, I give you my peace. I took it on the cross, Jesus, to give you my peace. Not just some random peace. Peace I leave you with. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He gives you his peace to push past the things that you struggle with. What is it that you're struggling with? You know, I'm not asking you to go into detail this morning, but I'm asking you to consider it, and I'm going to tell you that we're going to hit Anxiety, we're going to hit depression, we're going to hit worry, we're going to hit negative thoughts, we're going to hit trauma, we're going to hit burnout. We're going we're to go as far as God takes it. So I'm going to cover everybody. But don't think you're just getting away. Because here's the deal. I want you to be a better you this year than you were last year. And not just this year, but for years to come so that you can help others. Breaking those spiritual bondage of sin in your life. Renewing your mind, cleansing it. It would be great if we could just like open it up, take that sucker out, wash it, put it back in. It would. God does allow us that process. It just looks different in the end. We have to heal. We have to find a new way. When you leave here, try something new. Go home a different way. Start there. Turn right instead of right out that way. Or go left and go that way. Or go right and down by the river and go, I don't know. Find a, find a new way. God wants us to find a new way in the ways of the Lord. Father God, this morning, I just pray for those in this room that are broken, that are dealing with hurts, that are dealing with habits, that are dealing with hang-ups, there's a mental illness, and they don't want to tell anybody about it. They don't want to reveal it because they don't want I don't know they're afraid of what people might think they're afraid of what people might say I pray that as this song says that they would have the that they would have the the ability and the the, the guts to step up to step out to come to you it makes us nervous to walk across an ocean but you will walk with us as we do that Father, I pray that you do that this morning, whether there are those that come up to the front and lay it down or they lay it down right there in the seat in front of them. I pray that you just be with us as we worship together. Continue to stand and worship. Amen. Or you can sit in your place.
right now, you're not ready, you're not believing it, you didn't pray it, you're, you're, but you're holding on, and you want to come forward. You're up in the balcony, you're on the left, you're on the right, and you want to lay it down, but you're afraid of what people are going to say, you're afraid of what people are going to think, you're afraid to walk on the water because you cannot see what's below you. With Christ by your side, you will not sink, you will walk. Amen. You need to give that over to him, break hold of that, let it go. Come forward, lay it at the altar, give it to him. Let us pray with you, let us walk with you. You're, you're joining us live online and you're dealing with the same thing. Send us a comment, send us a connection, let us pray with you. Don't hold back, don't walk out the same as when you walked in. Father, I pray right now for each and every person in this room. I pray for each and every person in each and every hour. For those in the balcony, for those joining us online, there are some who are hurting, who are broken, and they can't let it go. They're not broken to that next level yet. They're not ready to let you enter in and renew their mind, but I pray that you would do that, that as they reflect on this, that they would get to that point of letting it go, that they would give it over to you, that's the only way. That's the only way to move forward is to fully let you renew our minds. I pray that as we go today, you would walk with us. You would allow us to reflect. I pray for those who aren't willing to give it up, that you wake them up at 3, 3.30 in the morning like you do with me and put it so heavy on their heart and let them know that they cannot do this alone. They have to do it with you. It's yours to carry the cross was carried by you for us. And you put yourself on it for us to take away, to walk with us, to walk this road of this restoring and renewing of our minds. I pray that you'd be with us as we go forward, keep us safe, and bring us back safe as we see fit. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week.